Dad the Man, the guy who's living life the right way by loving and leading his family. World-class at his craft and admired by many, but more importantly, he sets the tone for what a great man, husband, and father looks like. That's who Dad the Man is. And the truth is, as men, husbands, and fathers, we experience and struggle with so many of the same things. And it's time we recognize that we're all in this together. So drop your ego at the door and join us in the conversation. Welcome to Dad the Man. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast. My name is Brendan Wall, and I am your host. And today I do have one ask again for you, and that is if you are enjoying the show, if you are learning anything at all, or if you have any takeaways today, please do me a huge favor and help us to spread the word about this show. You know, whether that's telling somebody at work or texting a friend or sharing on social media, we cannot thank you enough for your support. So today's guest is none other than the Mark Bell. So Mark, aka Smelly, aka the People's Coach, aka the Meathead Millionaire, he's a world record holding power lifter with some outrageous lifts, like a 1,086 pound squat, an 854 pound bench, and a 766 pound deadlift. You know, he credits much of his lifting success to his two older brothers, Louis Simmons from the one and only Westside Barbell, and other legends in the strength world like Ed Cohn and Mike O'Hearn. Mark opened his own gym called Super Training Gym after moving his young family to Northern California, where he has trained ever since. So Mark leveraged his success in the powerlifting world to launch the Slingshot, which is now an absolute powerhouse in the strength world, producing products that serve powerlifters. Aside from running Super Training Gym and Slingshot, he hosts Mark Bell's Power Project Podcast, which is a top 50 health and fitness podcast. And he now sells his own supplement line, which can be found on his website as well. Mark is a guy who loves to help other people. And if you follow his content on social media, which is tremendous, by the way, you'll quickly see how true that statement is and how good he is at doing it. He's a one-of-a-kind, down-to-earth, hardworking dude. But above it all, he's an incredible man, husband, and father. And I am truly honored to have had the opportunity to host this conversation with a guy that I am such a big fan of. So here's my conversation with Mark Smelly Bell. And we're live. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast. My name is Brendan Wall, and I am your host. And with us today, we have a guest that I am so excited to talk to. He is the meathead millionaire. He is the people's coach. He is the one and only Mark Smelly Bell. And Mark, I want to thank you so much right here from the beginning. And thank you for making some time to come on and chat with us. You know, you are a guy who's accomplished so much, you know, in, in your career and in your life, you know, from the from the world records to slingshot to just being a favorite, a fan favorite and an icon and a legend in the world of powerlifting, you know, kind of seeing you come through all that and now be in this position where just kind of watching you from the outside in seems like you're just hell bent on pouring back into this community that, you know, gave you the opportunity to build your career, build your life in the way that you have, you know, whether that's through social media, like if you're not following Mark on social media, even if you're not a power lifter, I definitely recommend that you follow him. The content's awesome. You know, whether it's coming on podcasts like this and talking with people like me, or, uh, you know, maybe it's the super training gym that you've got out in Sacramento where you, know, you allow people to come in and train for free and learn from, learn from the best and be a part of a community. It's just really cool to watch a guy like you use his platform through the orientation of, you know, being in service to others, helping build people up and pouring back in, um, into the community. So just want to thank you for doing what you're doing. Thanks for making some time for us today. Super pumped to talk to you. Um, uh, so with all that being said, Mark Bell, welcome to the show, my friend. I think you said the key word, you said hell bent. Uh, <laughs> there's been many times where 
I've wanted to just kind of like give up or quit on sharing so much, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't know. Sometimes the messages, uh, they fall short or fall flat. And you're like, I don't know why, like me eating a pop tart goes viral. But <laughs> if I'm trying to share some information about uh, my relationship with my wife, it seems like no one care, you know, has less views or less clicks or less likes and mm-hmm. uh, things of that nature. So uh, because I'm hell bent on it, because I'm, uh, it's something that I'm obsessed with is trying to um, just not so much uh, make anyone try to live their life anything like mine, but what I am trying to do is encourage people down this path of, you know, I felt a lot like most of them in the past as well. And Mm -hmm. if I can just give you a little spark uh, of some of the stuff that I've felt over the years by um, trying to have a positive attitude by uh, through exercise and through challenging myself with different things, if I can just give you one little tiny dose of that and you can feel it, I'm hoping that it's a spark uh, that turns into a flame that helps, you know, burn up everything around you in a a good positive way. And, um, you know, these are things that could be transformative and can help change your life forever. And there's a lot of people out there now uh, suffering with depression and anxiety and uh, people also just kind of self-sabotaging themselves, sometimes having a hard time getting out of their own way. And so because I see that, I'm like, man, some uh, good old-fashioned militant type shit can really mm-hmm. help people a lot where you go on a run, go on a walk, you, you know, quote-unquote force yourself to do something, but yep. hopefully it's something that you like doing enough that you can be consistent with. And that's that's kind of the whole thing that I'm trying to do is just, <clears throat> uh, you know, there are people that contact me and they're like, hey, I read what you wrote six months ago and I lost 60 pounds. And they just took what I said and they just ran with it. I'm like, holy shit. Like, I didn't realize that sometimes it could just be one message. And so that's why it's important that we don't give up, even though sometimes it might seem like a futile attempt. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, thank you for, thank you for doing it. I, I, I can imagine you definitely get a lot, of, a lot of messages like that. And you mentioned, you know, the depression and anxiety that seems to just be rampant everywhere. I mean, I personally have felt it. I've gone through seasons of it before, you know, re, you know, pretty recently. What, where do you think that comes from? Like, what, how do you think we've gotten, I guess, to this place where, you know, do you think it's, I think about like, is this maybe people are being more open or maybe it's, we have a, you know, a, a problem within our communities, a problem within our society where we all have different habits. Like, what do you, where do you think that all comes from? I think there's like a wide range of like how many people used to identify with anxiety and depression versus how many do now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the, maybe 20 years ago, maybe, uh, I don't know, let's say 15% of the population would, you know, relate to that well and say, yeah, I've been in those spots before. Um, and out of those 15%, like there could be 10% that, um, almost have a genetic propensity to like head in that direction. And maybe they don't have the same neurotransmitters and dopamine and serotonin as the rest of us. Um, maybe there's a percentage of those people that have had, uh, what we would consider and agree upon as like childhood trauma. Um, but nowadays I think the percentage is probably, you know, doubled or tripled from where it used to be. My speculation on it is that, 
um, we're getting like poisoned, you know, through our quote unquote feed of social media. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't take any sort of uh, rocket science to figure out um, our attention span is shortened quite a bit because the stu- we're just seeing so much stuff. I mean, when I was a kid, if you flip through the TV real fast, my mom would be like, oh, what are you doing? Like you're going through the channels too fast, you know, and you're, sta- you're standing way too close to the TV or you're, well, now the, the phone is just several inches from your face and you're just swiping and swiping and swiping. And so while I don't think social media is bad and I don't want to be an old guy, you know, yelling to get off my front lawn type thing, because I, I think social media is awesome and it gives so many people, I mean, there's so many more, here in the United States, there's so many more uh, people thriving, including myself, uh, due to the internet and due to um, just the ability to not have so many degrees of separation just to figure shit out, whether it's to get to somebody like me or whether it's to find a manufacturer or someone to produce a product. I mean, you could literally put it out on, on a tweet and say, I need somebody to help me make coffee mugs. And more than likely, even if you don't have a lot of followers, somebody will know somebody that makes coffee mugs, you know? And I think that to, to answer the main part of the question, like why do people have more angst and stuff like that than they, than they used to, it's because we are maybe too much invested in a lot of uh, external stuff going on and we're not looking inside, we're not looking internally on what it is that we can do to be more productive, what it is that we can do to be more healthy. Um, We had uh, Sean Stevenson on the podcast recently, and he talks a lot about health and nutrition and sleep. And he said that for himself, he had, you know, when he was growing up, he had just uh, tremendous pain and had all these different situations going on with him from a health perspective. And he didn't understand, like, he was like, why can't anyone help me? You know, when, when am I going to find somebody mm-hmm. that's going to help me? And when he stopped asking that question and we changed the dialogue to um, what can I do to be healthier, that changed everything for him. So I think for most people, if you're feeling anxious, you're feeling depression, I think you might want to just try to ask yourself and be mindful of is going on social media, looking at people that I am considering to be in a better spot than me in in, uh, this moment in time in our lives, is that healthy for me? Is that a good idea? Am I actually in the mood for it? Am I just looking at my phone because I'm stuck in line at uh, a restaurant or something like that, you know? So I think idle times, you know, is the devil's work, they say, you know? So when you have downtime, and you're left with yourself. Um, I think there's a couple things to keep in mind. Um, boring, you know, only boring people can be bored. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're if you're like, man, I'm so bored. Well, that means you're not very creative because, like, someone who would say, "Oh man, I'm bored," before that before that sentence even popped into their head, they would say, "I'm going to go outside and mess around on my skateboard." Because no one's home, kids aren't here, wife's not here, son's out. Like I'm gonna go do something fun and different, and mm-hmm. and I'm gonna go for a walk in the park or whatever the hell uh, it might be. The other thing is, is that um, if you are, if you feel lonely when you're by yourself, well, then maybe you're not in good company. 
<laughs> yep. And that one's a tough one to deal with, but that's kind of the truth. You have to work on yourself and it doesn't matter if, if someone's uh, married or if someone's single or if someone uh, is a widow or whatever it might be. Uh, everyone feels loneliness. It's normal. And so I think those are also important things to examine. Look, man, anxiety and depression, like you're going to be depressed. You're going to be anxious. We don't even know why the fuck we're here on this planet. We don't even have any idea why. No one even has a decent educated guess as to why the fuck we're on this planet in the first place. Mm -hmm. So so one person could look at that as being like depressing. Another person can say, oh man, actually it, it doesn't really matter why we're here, but we are here. And while I'm here, I'm going to be as healthy as I can be for as long as I can possibly be. So I can have as much fun as I can. And so I can spread love, happiness, and just have a really amazing time. <laughs> right. Yep. Somebody else's interpretation of it might be like, man, if we don't know why we're here, then what the fuck's the point in doing all this? Cause we're all just going to die anyway. Yeah. That's a, uh, <clears throat> that's the, the old question of like, are you a producer? Are you a consumer that gets talked about? You see that a lot on social media and it's like, you have to choose one or the other. And the, I mean, why would you not choose to just be a healthier, better version of like, just do the best that you can. Like, at least you can, like for me, at least I can, I'm going to sleep a whole lot better if I know I'm giving it all that I've got. Like a lot of times, like, you know, for me, it's like what I have found with my own experience where I've gone through seasons of it. And I'm just like, man, like not in a, you know, just not in a good spot. It comes back to like what I can actually control and what I cannot control. And oftentimes I'm, when I'm in a bad spot, I'm focusing on what I cannot control. And, you know, I love that question of like, who's going to come help me versus like, how can I be more healthy? And a lot of times, like with our health, you know, for the most part, a lot of the, that's a lot of the things that we can control. Like, can I go for a, can I go walk around my block or can I walk up and down my stairs? Like most of us can do that. Most of us can drink more water. Like most of us can try to eat some protein and maybe some vegetables and fruit. Like I know everybody's got their own limitations and things, but like I found in my life, like when I control the variables that I can control and then try to not worry with the other variables, with the outcomes of those variables, I end up in a place where I'm like, all right, I'm moving in a positive spot. But you said like the, the to the point on social media, the being poisoned, like I, I found that to be true. And, and when I think about that with like, you know, sitting with our own thoughts, like um, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this, but like a lot of times, like the times when I pull up my phone is the times that I might have had a thought, a time to process a thought on my own, right? Like I might've been able to have like a positive thought in my mind, but instead I'm now replacing all of that with like every time I go to take a leak or every time I go like walk to the refrigerator or every time I walk to the mailbox, I'm pulling out my phone and it's just like poison, 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 instead of like, let the brain process, let the brain process, let the brain process. So, and I, I kind of lead into that because I know you're a huge proponent of the 10 minute walks and you talk about that all the time. And I think, for this reason, that is so important. So if you don't mind maybe talking a little bit about the 10 minute walks and what that's, you know, done for you and, and your own physical and mental health. The thing that I try to repeatedly ask myself is like, what's reasonable. So I might get all hyped up about some program I see somebody else do. Um, maybe I get excited about powerlifting again and I see, you know, somebody do a big lift and I'm like, oh shit, like I want to get back into that. Well, then I just need to, the next question needs to be like, what, well, what's reasonable? You know, you already had a career in that. You had many injuries. Uh, 
how smart is that? Like, I don't want to put a bunch of limitations on myself, but are you sure about that? Like, and what's a reasonable dosage of, uh, of power lifting? Like I've already done unreasonable dosages of it and I already know, uh, what that's all about. And I don't really care to go back to that again, but I think that <clears throat> for many folks, I think it's a good idea just to examine what's, what's reasonable. What's some stuff that just is, what's, what's stuff that's just actionable, just simple enough uh, to where I could do it. Um, I think someone like Aubrey Marcus comes to mind mm -hmm. uh, with a guy who's like written books and has promoted this kind of stuff for years. He's got like simple stuff, like when first thing in the morning, you know, maybe rather than looking at your phone, maybe the first thing you do is rehydrate because you lose some hydration throughout the night. Many people wake up and use the bathroom and stuff like that. And if you're an athlete, you're somebody that likes to exercise or just wants to have a little bit better well-being, well, why not down some water, right? Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, he's like, well, maybe you should throw some salt or something like that in there too to get a little bit of electrolytes. Uh, and you already did like one, you can kind of just view it as like you did one thing for yourself. You got like half a point on the scoreboard of life, uh, which can register to be a lot at the end of the day if we're doing these small little tasks every single day and picking these things off. The 10-minute walk is just... It's, um, you know, there are people with like handicaps and different things like that, but for the most part, just about anyone can do a 10 minute walk. Um, and I do know some people that really struggle to even walk for 10 minutes. And there's been many people who have DM me and they're like, man, my feet and this and that, my knee, um, I can't even walk for 10 minutes. And so rather than me yelling at them, being like, dude, you got to listen to David Goggins and you got to get fired up and you got to, you know, play some Metallica, crank it up and fucking go on your 10 minute walk. <laughs> I just kind of asked them like, what's, what's reasonable. Okay. When I say 10 minute walk, it's my version of what's really light and easy and simple for you to wrap your brain around. Mm -hmm. So maybe for you, it's a, uh, it's a walk across the street or it's a walk to your mailbox. Um, Maybe even walking's not in the cards, and you're just like, yeah, my joints hurt, and this hurts, and that hurts. Maybe you can get on a bike. Maybe you can get on an elliptical. Maybe your legs bother you so much that you really can't do much with them. Well, they make machines that just kind of primarily have, like, upper body uh, type stuff. You mentioned having that um, assault bike. Mm -hmm. You can get on an assault bike. You don't have to pedal it at all. Just wiggle your arms back and forth. And yep. um if you're trying to get in the habit of doing something often, first of all, the the king on this stuff is uh, uh, the the uh, guy that wrote Atomic Habits, um, James um, James Clear. There you go. He he's unbelievable and giving yourself stuff that's really really easy to do. I think a lot of times, you know, if I was to say, hey, you know, how did yesterday go for you? You know, you might be like, I don't know. It was, whatever but then i ask you like hey well what did you do yesterday and you're like well i got my hair cut i took my kids to the park it was pretty chill i watched uh the packers for a little while watched a little bit of football oh well how did how did you eat i ate pretty good fuck man that's a great day like that's that's a <laughs> there's a lot of victories in there that you're not talking about you're not thinking about but pulling yourself together to go get your hair cut is like a it's like a thing you know it's like <laughs> these are all important tasks, you know, and I know it's like, you don't want to try to give yourself a medal or reward for every little thing that you do. Um, but did you wake up this morning and take a shower and like do all the things that you needed to do to get yourself to where you needed to go? 
It's like, well, that's that's a little bit of a something. That's a little bit of an accomplishment. And so I like for people just to kind of think of the little smaller tasks as being like things that you're picking off every day and they're, um, they're things that will lead you to your goal. Because we, we know that like if you go off plan, let's say eating wise, and mm-hmm. you eat a uh, ice cream sundae at like a birthday party or something, we know that that can increase, that can uh, produce dopamine, and that can get your body pretty, your mind uh, pretty excited. Something to look forward to. Someone's like, "Yeah, we got, you know, we got ice cream sundays here uh, when we're done with dinner." Everyone gets pretty pumped up about it. But what we don't understand and don't realize is that when we starve off short-term gratification, there's a lot more dopamine waiting for us, and there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot that we can do with our hormonal profile to shift everything into more of our favor. The more that we say, fuck that I'm sticking to my guns. I'm sticking to my plan. Mm-hmm. And that's when you turn into like a lunatic, you know, what people would consider to be like a madman, you know, like uh, David Goggins is always a great, a great example. You're not really a madman. You just got obsessed with what you're doing because, because you starved off that short term gratification as uh, Wes Watson says, he said, uh, instant gratification is running a train on our ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more with that statement. I, I really like that a lot. We are all just, we're like a prisoner to it. Mm-hmm. And just imagine if you thought, okay, that instant gratification is right there. But what if I just pushed it back a little bit? What if I just, what if I just took it and I just pushed the line back a little bit? What if I waited to have that ice cream sundae, that pizza? I'm still going to eat it. I'm still going to eat the fuck out of pizza, but I'm not going to eat it today. Yep. I'm going to eat it in about two weeks after I have gotten my weight down or after I have proven to myself that I can just, I can just string together a couple of days in a row, you know, five days, seven days. Fuck, man, you strang together five days in a row. Maybe that is something to celebrate. Maybe that's a time to incorporate something. But still, you don't want to incorporate something that's going to go against. If if you incorporate something that's a celebration that goes against the very thing that you set out to do in the first place, guess what you just did? You just fucked yourself over massively because now you are going to have more anxiety Mm-hmm. You might, that anxiety might lead you to be depressed because you're like, man, I'm never going to get to where I want to be. Well, of course you're never going to get to where you want to be because for some reason, you asshole, you continue, <laughs> you continually self-sabotage yourself. You were doing so good. You were like there-ish, you know, you mm-hmm. were, you were doing great and you keep kind of sideswiping yourself. And so just, you know, what are, what are some things that are reasonable and what's going to happen to you if you can learn to just push off instant gratification at least a little bit more than you normally do. Yeah. And I think the, um, you know, the whole social media thing, like I, I think about that all the time. Like to me, I have my, like my bigger thoughts, like my productive thoughts, my positive thoughts, like the things that I start to think long-term about delay gratification. Like what if I actually deployed some discipline now to get where I want to go down the line? Like, those thoughts happen when I actually have a minute to think and process my thoughts. And when I'm always pulling out my phone, like phone, like I said, a minute ago, like every time I go take a whiz or go to the mailbox or whatever it is, like I'm completely just blocking off the opportunity to focus on like whatever else it is that, you know, that I'm going for. So then when the opportunity for 
instant gratification is right there. It's kind of like I'm looking at my phone, walking to the kitchen and it's like, you know, I just reach in and grab a pop tart and like turn around. And then I'm like, oh shit, I was originally going in there to like cook some eggs. And then I was just distracted, like didn't have the thought. And then I saw the pop tart and like, to me that it's very, it, it's real in that regard. And I think the social media too, like as addicting as it is, like that in itself is an immediate gratification, just like popping it open and seeing the bright lights and the pictures and everything. I'll tell you what, I put my phone on black and white a couple of weeks ago and it was unbelievable how uninteresting it was when everything on Instagram was in black and white as opposed to color. I was, I was shocked. I didn't realize how much it was just like a, like the quick dopamine, like that's all, like I'm just feeding that loop over and over and over. Like that was shocking to me to, to realize that. I think part of the reason why the people in fitness uh, are almost a lot of times people in fitness. And I, I would include myself in this. Like we sometimes, it sounds like we're preaching to people about how to live your life. And uh, it's like, well, wait a second. Why would some guy that picked up some heavier weights than some other people teach people about how to live their life? Like that's a, that's a pretty big stretch. <laughs> and and I, I, I agree a hundred percent. But again, I think I think that what the tie-in is is just that it takes a long time to be strong. It takes a lot of work to be in good shape. There are some people that are naturally in better shape than others. There are some people that are naturally stronger than others. Uh, but we know that it takes a good amount of work to be able to do like a 700-pound deadlift. Mm -hmm. We know that it takes a good amount of work uh, to be able to do some of these like athletic feats and things like that. And so... When you consider that, you're like, okay, well, it just takes time to be able to do that. And that's admirable that somebody somebody was dedicated enough. It's interesting because all it is is being dedicated to something that you already like. Mm -hmm. So trying to be dedicated to something you don't like would be, like, even crazier. But, like, who wants to do that? You're going to be dedicated to something that you like for a long period of time, and eventually you come out the other end and you're good at it. But I think what's missing, what, what I think is not talked about enough is how it makes you feel along the way. Mm -hmm. So I know that people talk about it's the journey and it's the things that happen along the journey. Well, that is true, but it's the way that you're made up to feel along the way. And I'm a big believer, like I, the word make and made, like a, I'm, I'm pretty careful with those words because I don't really believe that anyone or anything can make you or made you a particular way. It's a choice. Uh, and so because, because it's a, because it's a choice on like, uh, how you feel, you may as well try to load up as much on trying to make yourself something by doing as many positive things that are shifted towards your goal as you possibly can. And you're going to, at that point, you're going to have made yourself into something. And then what happens is you can't stop talking about it. Mm -hmm. And it's not like you're trying to brag. You're not like, yo, like I got the coolest stuff. You, you have to listen to everything that I say because uh, I was able to make this amount of money, you know, selling these products or I was able to do this with this thing. It's just that you're so hyped up about it. You're like, man, I hope that this can be like infectious in some way. I'm hoping that this could be like a viral thing that goes around and gets into everyone's mind where somebody else is listening or somebody else is watching and they say, oh, I, that thing that I wanted to act on, that thing, I could just, fuck, man, I can go do it now. I could just go do it now. 
there's no reason to wait around any longer. I point this out to people all the time. You know, people are like, how'd you do it? How'd you make the slingshot? Or how'd you do this or that? I'm just like, I, I did it off of my iPhone. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure That's that awesome. you have an iPhone. You probably have an iPhone or some sort of smartphone. And uh, I did it at a Starbucks. I'm sure your town or city has a Starbucks. Um, I did some, like, quote-unquote research. <laughs> uh, I would call it more like farting around on my phone and uh, found somebody to, like, make the product. And, you know, the idea, of course, it was like an idea that was in my head or whatever. But, yeah, I think, like, we have a lot of the tools sitting right here next to us, and they can be used for a whole host of things. I also don't think it does us any good to sit around and think about all the stuff that we're doing wrong and all the stuff that we're doing poorly. I think rather than have that dialogue, just start thinking about what are some, what are just a handful of things that you can start to do a little bit better. That's it. Yeah. And then, like you said, I mean, it's just like the little wins along the way too. Like I, like in starting this podcast, for example, I kind of had the idea for a long time. Right. And then I was just kind of like, all right, I'm going to think about it. And surely if I think about it enough, it's going to happen. And then finally I was like, okay, I have to send a DM to Mark Bell and ask him to come on the show. And I have to be willing to sit here and like have the courage to talk to him and have, you know, potentially sound like an idiot. Like I have no idea what I'm talking about and kind of work through that self-doubt and just do that day after day after day. And it's just the, like, like you said, like a lot of times it's a lot more obvious than, than we want to believe that it is like, it's like to start slingshot as successful as that is. And to hear you say that you started that on an iPhone and Starbucks, like that's remarkable. It's not this crazy pie in the sky thing. It's like, you just kind of have to start walking towards it. And when I like talk about like things that you, you were talked, you alluded to this a little bit, but like when you know you're like you know what you're supposed to do, like you know what the next step is, and you know you just need to take that step and then just do the little things. Like you said, you can control it. Like that, talk about feeling good along the way. Like to me, like that's it's not obvious, and you wouldn't necessarily think that that's gonna be the fruit that you're looking for. But I found that to be totally true. And a lot of the anxiety that I felt, like because I know that I'm taking those steps every day, like like I said before, I lay down, I lay my head on the pillow at night, and I'm like, all right today was a good day. Cause I, I did these things. I, you know, kind of held off these things and that's it. And they're all simple things. They're little things. It's not, you know, I'm not making these giant phone calls and making huge deals. I'm just, you know, it's, it's, it's simple step, step A, step B, step C day after day after day. Yeah. I think you're not going to feel like something unless you're doing something. It's like pretty simple. You got to like do Amen. shit. You got to do stuff. You got to, um, and it doesn't mean that you have to like add a lot more either. You don't need to be like mm -hmm. concerned or get super worried about any of that. You just um, like, what, what can you handle again? What's like reasonable. So if you're to start to walk yourself down, like what's, what's reasonable, <clears throat> you can start to think, well, what's your current situation? Are you married? Do you have kids? Mm -hmm. If you do, it's like, well, you don't want whatever this thing is that you're thinking about uh, taking on you don't want it to consume so much time that you're no longer there for your kids and you're no longer there for your wife. Mm -hmm. So is there something you can, uh, is there things you can just uh, implement into your day? Or um, when you go to work out, if you're trying to like implement some cardio, 
is there a way that you can just implement some cardio into the actual lifting if you don't actually like cardio? Like, of course there is. Or, or can you sneak in a couple 10-minute walks um, while you're uh, listening to some music or catching up on a podcast? Again, it sounds pretty reasonable. A lot of my learning happens. I'm either I'm always on the move. I'm always moving. I'm either in a car listening to something because the car is a classroom for me. And also um, on a walk, you know, listening to music or listening to, I like listening to a lot of speakers, a lot of people just uh, that are excellent at talking so mm -hmm. I can learn more and, and pick up more. But I find them to be inspiring and just kind of the way they use words. And um, yeah, it's just a, it's a great learning uh, process for me. Uh, I think, I don't know if you've had this happen to you, but Fitness is always just a great uh, analogy for a lot of things. Uh, you see somebody at a Christmas party and they see you and they, they start they start just uh, they got diarrhea of the mouth because they are talking about how they meant to be on a better plan, but the pandemic happened and their diet and like you didn't say anything about nothing, but they know that you work out, you know, and so they start pouring their heart out to you and yeah. Tell, you know, basically trying to tell you why they gained like 20 more pounds or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're just kind of sitting there kind of taking it all in and you're like, okay, well, that's okay. Well, let's just uh, back up a bit. You're just, you are where you are and uh, you're going to have to make some small changes coming up. I'll send you some information on it and we can go from there. And you shoot over some information, you send them some videos and some stuff and no response to the to the video no no nothing and then you see them again and you're like hey did you get a chance to watch that video and they didn't even open it up <laughs> and so this is not to beat on people for not doing fitness this is just to beat on people for not going inside and not not uh examining what is going to be in their best interest to help make them better and a lot of times if you are if you're communicating with somebody that you have a problem and they're they're issuing some information to you, don't be so hard-headed that you just automatically shut that out or I don't need that or I'll start that uh, you know, January 1. Mm -hmm. You can you can start you can most likely get you can most likely gather some great information from whatever it is uh, that you're looking into and you could probably start to implement at least some of it now. Mm -hmm. uh, I know for many people, like I, I understand the diet side of things. I get it. I know why people struggle with their diets. It's a, you know, human behavior thing. And it's, it's difficult. Like there's, there's just, um, there's some really, really good foods out there. <laughs> and, uh, the big food companies, uh, are winning. They're, they're kicking our ass. They're just, des they're destroying us. You know, anyone in fitness or health, we're just getting our ass kicked routinely, uh, by those, by those big companies. But we don't have to just uh, we don't have to just like roll over and just take it. You know, we can continue to to fight it, and we can continue to figure out what are some things we can implement to at least counteract some of this. You know, how about we walk a little bit? Um, how about we think about having some sort of regular exercise program? Um, you know, just another question would be like, can I eat a little bit less than what I currently eat? Mm -hmm. Can I make a little bit different food choices once or twice a day? Like, I don't want to be on a weird diet. I still like eating burritos. I still like eating this, that. Okay, that's all fine. But can you still subtract a little bit out of there 
maybe you don't have as many sodas for the day. Maybe you cut back on sugar. Maybe you eat a little bit less snacks, a little less processed food. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're moving around a little bit more. And maybe because of that, maybe you lost 10 pounds. Yep. So I think just a lot of the answers that we, a lot of the answers that we're looking for, even in the case of like when somebody uh, is telling you why they gained weight at like a Christmas party. If, if you, if you uh, pose the questions right back to them, like you reflect them right back to them, like you're a mirror, um, they usually know the answers. I mean, they almost, they're like, well, yeah, you know, I, I do go to bed pretty late. I wake up super early. So I'm underslept most days and I'm pretty stressed out. And, and then you're like, well, I mean, I, I've just, even like with like something like marriage advice, I heard a friend of mine mention this one time, him and his wife, they would always fight about the dishes and the laundry. The uh, therapist that they went to, they, he, they said, well, um, could you guys pay someone to come in and do that occasionally to do the dishes and the, and the laundry. And they were like, well, we don't know if we can afford it. And it was like, they were like, well, do you think you can afford being divorced? Do you think you can be, do you think you could afford trying to figure out who gets custody of the kids? Mm -hmm. Do you think you can afford to figure out who gets the house and who does this and who does that? And they were like, okay. <laughs> so they got, they, they got someone to, do their dishes and laundry and stuff like that. And I think in the interim, they were also working on a lot of stuff together and then they no longer need that service anymore, but they had that for a little while and just kind of realized like we fight over who's going to wash our clothes, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> fighting over who's washing the, it's like, it's all for all of us. Like, let's just pick up where we can and not make such a big deal of it. Yeah. It's funny. The, um, the answer, I mean, like you said, it's, it's usually a lot more obvious than we want to believe that it is. It's, it's easier to believe that, or it's, it's easier to make the excuse that it requires some very complicated or expensive solution, but really it's, let's just hire someone to come do the laundry or let's just go for a walk around the block or, you know, whatever it is. That's uh that's some pretty good marriage advice. Um, how long have you been married, Mark? Uh, 21 years, 21 years. What would uh, what would be your your best uh, marriage advice if you were gonna go back in time or maybe maybe you were talking to a youngster who's about to get married now? What would you, what would you tell him? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Run, run the other way. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of different versions of like a relationship. I think I think some people think that. Um, and maybe it's just because of the way that they were raised and what they saw uh, growing up. But I think that people think, again, that marriage needs to be complicated, that it needs to be hard, that it needs to be. Um, I mean, you are, look, it's hard to manage your own emotions and your own shit, your own self. It's hard to manage. And then you are not really trying to manage somebody else, but you are trying to live with somebody else and, mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're sharing, you're sharing a lot of emotions. Um, and it can be, it can be difficult. Uh, but just cause it can be difficult doesn't mean that it has to be difficult. Um, I know everyone just talks a lot about, you know, being able to communicate. Um, but then I think that people, there's like a lot of unspoken stuff like that people don't talk about. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you're always going to have some of that, like no one sharing everything with everybody. Like, let's just face the facts, right? That's kind of just, 
it wouldn't make any sense. You would hurt too many people and no one would be married. <laughs> I think if that was the case, but for the most part, you know, if there's something that your partner did that you're upset about, you should communicate with them on what happened and why and, and, uh, what you think. And usually the way that I start out is I say, Hey, I, you know, this is probably kind of ridiculous, but this, uh, it actually hurt my feelings. I feel weird saying that, but that's what happened. And then my wife would be like, Oh, okay, cool. Let's, uh, I'll do something different this way. You know, I'll do this, mm -hmm. you know, or, um, Oh, I can adjust to that. And again, trying to be reasonable and, yep. uh, trying to have a conversation and I recommend the same thing with your children. Like I think that people don't give their kids or their significant other the like um, maybe like I guess respect would be the right word. Um, they don't they don't give them enough credit for the fact that they're going to be able to digest what you're saying very easily. They're going to be able to understand what you're saying very easily. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know if you were out with your friends or something and girlfriend or, or wife or whomever is upset with you, uh, cause you were out late, you know, then if, as long as you can have a conversation about it and is this normal for you? Like, are you going to be doing this often? Uh, do you, you know, maybe, maybe you're somebody that like needs, maybe you need your friends around. And so maybe you have to have some sort of conversation that, or I know like this happens a lot men are a little bit more attracted to like their hobbies uh, than maybe some women are. And men get pretty obsessed about it, like fishing and mm -hmm. hunting and watching football games with their buddies or whatever. <laughs> um, but I think that as long as you're able to communicate like this is, or even working out, uh, this is part of my life. This is massively important to me. And so uh, I'm going to be spending a lot of time at the gym. Like that's, this is me. This is who I am. And uh, rather than like just no one ever talks about it and then there's like a big blow up or blow out about it. Yeah, it's funny. It's kind of like the, like we almost expect the other person, our spouse to like just understand that what we are, you know, wanting to go do is a huge deal to us. And we never actually say, hey, this is a really big deal where if we do say that oftentimes that's received as, okay, great. Like go do what you need to do. It's funny because you, you know, you hear guys like, um, you know, my wife's nagging me. She's not, you don't want me to go do this and that yada, yada, yada. And it's like, okay, well, did you actually have that conversation? Like, did you say this is really important to me? Like that's, it's so again, so simple. And we know that that's probably what we should do, but sometimes it's hard to do it. Sometimes we just, we just don't do it, but you're, you're right. The point about, um, <clears throat> I like the point that you made about like, if something like if something does happen, whatever, like being just being willing to say, like, I didn't like the way this went down, you know, just kind of get it off your chest and just in a respectful and, and, you know, polite way, obviously, that's something I'm like hand raised have historically been horrible of. I'm just like, ah, you know, forget it, keep moving. But it doesn't go away. And it only grows and it only swells. And then it usually kind of comes back up in the form of me snapping about something totally unrelated down down the line you know you want to kind of maybe think of like how is it helpful you know like what you're about to say how is it helpful if you're addressing something and you're saying um uh i believe that you drink too much that you want to be you want to measure how you're going to say that because that's going to probably hurt somebody most likely mm -hmm. they're going to be or they'll be offended or they'll be defensive of that and so you got to just 
consider, you know, um, how you're going to, how you're going to phrase that, how you're going to word that. But it doesn't mean that you don't ever talk about it at all. It just mm-hmm. means that you pay attention to your words and you, um, you know, a lot of times, I mean, it, it's a real easy thing is to deflect and to say, to just right off the bat, kind of bring up some of the things that you do that are wrong. Say, mm-hmm. hey, like, I know that I like do this and that, but I would be willing to work on that, you know, if, if we could get you to work on, because I, 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 I don't know, I don't know if this is a problem for you or whatever, but I, I'm here. I would like to, maybe I can help you with it or like, you know, I, I do think it's important too to not think that you're going to like fix each other or fix somebody we all know people that have gotten themselves into those situations. And so that's also something to be really cautious about. I would also say, so probably the main thing with the advice, the main piece of advice I'd give to somebody that would like to be married and would like to have a long and successful marriage is make sure you really like the other person a lot. <laughs> make sure you really fucking like them. I didn't, and I use the word like rather than love because love is like just weird to describe, but Make sure you just really, really just like them a lot. You enjoy them a lot. They're fun. They're funny. Um, they are, they kind of like meet up with a lot of the things that you were looking for or they make you a better person in some way or uh, they, you just feel good when you're around them, that kind of stuff. I mean, that's, that's critical. And that's, that's a big like uh, part of everything that I talk about and preach is, let's get you involved in stuff that you like. Let's get you involved in, because if we can get you involved in stuff that you like, I can guarantee your success. You're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if you haven't played basketball in 20 years uh, and you've been at massively out of shape for a really long time, but you always loved basketball. If I start saying, Hey, well, what do you want to do for exercise? Cause you know, we're going to need you to exercise. If you want to mm-hmm. get some of this weight off, it's going to be really important. Say, you know what, all growing up, I loved basketball. When's the last time you picked up a basketball? I don't know, 20 years ago. Okay, well, it might be good to spend a little bit of time getting yourself in shape a little bit and, you know, maybe run a little bit or get on some walks. You know, you don't want to just dive right into playing basketball full blast right away, but they start playing pickup games of basketball. They eat a little bit better because they want to perform a little bit better on the court, and they come back to you you know, eight weeks later and they're like, Hey, you know, I lost 15 pounds. And a lot of times they finish that statement by saying, and it wasn't that hard. And they say (laughs) it wasn't that hard because they found something that they like to do. So in your marriage, especially, you know, you can't choose your kids. Your kids are a pain in the ass kind of matter what you do, but you do get to choose, (laughs) you do get to choose your, um, your spouse. And so therefore, you know, make sure it's a good selection in that. Also, I hear a lot of people, you know, they're with somebody for like a couple of months and they're like, yeah, we, we argue a lot. We fight a lot. And I'm always thinking like, man, there's, there's a different, uh, a different F word you should be stuck on when you're first meeting and it's not a fight, you know? And so that, that to me would be kind of a red flag. There shouldn't be a lot. It shouldn't be, it, there shouldn't be a lot of turmoil. And in, in my opinion, yeah, everyone's different, but in my opinion, that just doesn't make a lot of sense for you to be arguing you know, a lot when you're together for the first six months. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. And just thinking about what you said, you got to really like them. You got to really like them then because you know what, like I got married young and like, 
I made a great decision. So I'm going to say that right off the, off the bat, but you know, one of the things I'm most proud of is, you know, we have grown a lot in our marriage. We got married at 23, 24 years old. We were really young. Now we're right around 30. So, and you know, we had kids, like we've got a five-year-old and a three-year-old now. And that's like, you know, that brings a lot right off the bat. So you have to, you got to really like the person to be willing to commit to growing in the same direction as that person as well is, you know, I mean, you know, we can, we can either just kind of sit where we are. Or we can have that, you know, mindset of a growth mindset and, and always try to be getting better than we were yesterday and moving forward and being positive. And like we said, being a, someone who contributes to society and all these things. And that means you're going to grow as a person. But when you think about it, like in a marriage, that's two people growing and two, you know, either, you know, one person might grow, the other person might not, or you guys might go, you know, left and right. It's all, it's a big, it's a big commitment to say, I'm not just, you know, committing to, to loving you and being with you, but like, I'm committing to growing in the same direction as you. That's something that like came to mind when you were saying that that's like, that's a, that's a, that adds a lot of weight to the equation to me. I think people also need to be really careful of, uh, you know, mainly communicate just in person. You know, if you're, if, if anything gets to like feelings or anything surrounding, uh, that this can be interpreted and like, mess with the other person's feelings, mm -hmm. you know, don't say anything. Uh, well, first of all, I, I don't think any of it should be expressed through any sort of text messaging at all. But I would say that if you are going to go that route at all, then make sure it's stuff that you would actually say in person too. So I think it's easier to, to poke jabs and to say a little stuff, you know, via like a text message. But um, I just, I, I see a lot of young people kind of going down that and that path and for my wife and I like it just wasn't really a thing because we met so long ago that it wasn't really I mean the only texts kind of that fly back and forth from her eyes like an emoji or something like that here and there messing with each other mm -hmm. or it were just saying like hey like I'm on my way home or just you know I'm gonna pick up uh, my daughter or you know I'm just you know explaining you know something that I'm doing or where I'm going and that's usually about it uh, people can get real kind of caught up in emotional stuff, you know, via texting. And it's like hard to, that's not a place to have good detailed, uh, conversation and communication. It's, it's, it's our worst form of communication. So, you know, you can think text messaging is the worst, um, like FaceTime or something is a level up or some sort of inter interaction the way we're doing it here. Um, but in person is, is the absolute best route to go. Yeah. Uh, could, couldn't agree more. And that's, again, you know, you want your marriage to be a little bit better, like very simple answer, like have a face-to-face -face conversation with your wife every day, look her in the eye and listen to her, like not rocket science, right? Like it's so simple. It's like a lot of times we don't even want to believe that that's, that's the answer. Um, so Mark, I'll, I'll pivot a little bit and talk about your family a little bit more, more generally. Um, I like to, you know, following guys like you, you, you're very like principles based and you seem to be very rooted in, in values that are, that are important to you. Are there, are there any values in particular with your family that, you know, you might call them your core values or, or things that, you know, you, you think are like the most important lessons that you're trying to teach your kids? Yeah, I think number one is just time, you know, everything, just everything that's good, everything that's great takes a lot of time and you got to spend time with each other. Um, I tell my kids that's the way that we spell love in our household is T-I-M-E because that's a really important piece of the puzzle. And it doesn't always have to be in the form of, um, 
you know, a lot of times people are trying to think of like these miraculous times to have together. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes people are thinking of spending a lot of money on like going to, uh, you know, a destination for vacation. Um, but none of that's necessary. I mean, um, that would be cool. And maybe that's like an add on. Mm-hmm. But um, it can all be done just right in your house, just trying to communicate with each other. Um, seeing if one of, you know, see if one of your kids wants to go on a walk or um, inviting people to stuff, you know. Uh, I went to eat at a restaurant a bunch of us like at, I like to go to yesterday, and I just put my dad and my brother in a text thread, and my dad mm-hmm. had other stuff going on, so he couldn't make it, but my brother showed up, you know, and then my kids are like, oh, Uncle Chris, and they get all fired up and excited and we all, you know, uh, get to hang out with each other and spend that time together, and um, we're all just—we're all pretty close, you know. We try to check in on each other a lot. Mm-hmm. There are family members that we like. I'm from New York originally, so there's some family members that, um, you know, I I talk to a lot less uh, on a regular basis, but just you know, pulling people into the into the equation and inviting people places, trying to think of stuff that you can all do. Um, together, if you have kids, if you have kids, things aren't about you anymore and you need your, your kids need to get around other kids. So <clears throat> sometimes like, oh, I don't get along with so-and-so and I don't get along with this person. It's like, dude, you got to get over that shit because your kids, they need to be around other kids and what better kids for them to be around than their cousins, you know, than their, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes not everyone has, uh, you know, a lot of family members to pick and choose from, but. Um, there's also just, <clears throat> when I say time, you know, it, it also means that like a lot of the times are going to suck too, and they're not going to be great. They're not going to be fun. There's going to be arguing. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of downtime, like an extreme amount of time where there's nothing going on. Mm-hmm. But as I pointed out in the beginning of the show that, you know, idle time is, is like the most dangerous time. But if you can't have idle time with yourself and you can't have idle time with your family, uh, then who can you have idle time with? I mean, it's going to be hard to manage your life if you, it's, it's a weird thing, but I think when nothing's going on is when, uh, people get frustrated and they get antsy and things like that, because again, they get bored. Yeah. But if you're getting bored and you're around family members, then, you know, that's kind of, again, you're not being creative. You're not thinking of something to do. Um, I think about like if you have a, a small child in your family, think about what you usually try to do when they're cr- when they're crying, especially if it's a kid that's like five or six. Usually, just try to distract them. You know, usually just try to hey, you grab a football, like hey, you know, here's it, you know, and you throw the football back and forth with them, and they're done crying. You know, they might still sniffle or whatever, but they're mm-hmm. like they're pretty much done with it. If you show you know you show them something fun or cool, like hey, let's go outside and let's. Uh, let's check out the park over here that has a cool swing on it or whatever, you know, you you can. So anyway, I I just think that a a major factor and a major thing of value for me is just, uh, and there's no replacing it, you know, is is, uh, spending time, spending time with one another. And also say this, you know, I have uh, 500 something thousand followers on a, a YouTube channel that I started years ago. I have over 500,000 followers on an Instagram on an Instagram account. I got a few hundred thousand followers on a TikTok account. Uh, several million people listen to my podcast. Um, 
there's a lot of interaction with fans and I'm known worldwide. I, you know, people take pictures with me and I sign autographs and all this kind of stuff and have some sort of, uh, like fitness fame or well, I don't even know what you would call it. Uh, but I want to point that out because those kinds of things, all that external stuff is just that it's just external stuff. Um, when I sit amongst my family members, <clears throat> I'm not any more loved or any more appreciated than anybody else. We're all, we're all boom. We're all just super, we're just even no one's, no one's above and no one's lower than anybody else. Um, I'm pretty quiet in settings like that. So most of the time I'm not even, I'm barely talking and people are barely talking to me because they know I don't say much, <laughs> which is weird because I'm talking all the time for a living. But, um, <laughs> there's just the point there is being like, uh, that, it's a great quote that I really like a lot. And it says, um, you know, if you're trying to, if you're trying to, uh, you know, the best way to make the world great is to go home and love your family. So that, Amen. I mean, that's behind, it's behind so many things, you know, it's like, if you look at, um, <clears throat> some of the work of like Thomas Sowell or some of these, uh, people that have been talking about, um, some really complex topics of like racism and things like that. Like when you start to actually look into a lot of uh, crime and a lot of these things that, that have happened over the years, a lot of it doesn't have to do with someone being Mexican. It doesn't have to do with someone being Asian. It doesn't have to do with someone being black. It has to do with their home is broken a lot of times. A lot of times there's not a dad there. Thomas Sowell, that's pretty much he, his main uh, topic. And he has mm -hmm. like stats and stuff like that to, you know, back up a lot of his points. Um, but again, the point being like, if you're trying to go outside and be spectacular to other people, that's, that's not a great spot to be in. And I, I've, I've fallen into that many times because of just like part of my personality and part of the things that I'm driving for and striving for is yes, I do want to gain more attention, you know, and it's easy to get caught up in that. Uh, but you'll realize you're like, man, that's like a, um, it's like a hit of a drug that's not doing anything to you, you know, or doing anything for you. You know, mm -hmm. you just keep hitting it up because you're used to that and you're trying to get like a high from it. And it's just there's there's not much there uh, as opposed to if you just went home and took your son to go get his favorite cheeseburger. <laughs> going to have a way fucking different outcome than, uh, you know, 75,000 people uh, liking a post that you put up that, and they like it for 13 seconds and then they're on to the next one. Yeah. You know, I always say, and one of the quotes that I kind of just came up with in starting this podcast, because I wanted to have something that I could tie the emotion of everything that we're going for. And I think you just encapsulated it perfectly. But what I always say is that we can't let what we say we're doing for our family just completely come at the expense of our family over time. And it's, I think a lot of times it comes down to, you know, like a, a question of validation and an ego, you know, we're always looking for, you know, who's going to validate us, who's going to give us the plus one. And like a lot of times in these things that are outside of the home, there's like a tangible component. Like maybe it's the like on Instagram, maybe it's like the raise or the bonus or like the, the world record or whatever, you know, whatever, there's like something tangible that you can say like bang did it. But sometimes at home, like you said, that like it's a lot of idle time. Like, is there a tangible moment for like, I taught, like my son learned this lesson today, like, or, you know, me and my wife had this breakthrough, like a lot of times there's just not, 
so it's a little bit softer. So it, it makes sense to me that, you know, that's kind of what, like why workaholism is what it is. And it actually is addicting, you know? You remember like the first time you saw like your kid, like brushing their own teeth, you know, like just little, <laughs> or, or working on trying to tie their own shoe or something. Yep. Uh, you know, it like, I don't know about you, but I'm a big softy, you know, like it brings a tear to my eye. I'm like, damn, that's so great. Yeah. <laughs> look at it. They're turning into like a regular person. This is unbelievable. <laughs> It's and like that's I, everything. I've had I've had, you know, emotional reactions to um fans and stuff like that too that have shared stories with me and stuff like that, but nothing will ever replace uh the way that you feel about your family and your kids, especially when you're putting time into them and you're seeing it result in something great. So something that my son did when he played baseball is every time it didn't matter whether he struck out or whether he hit the ball, it didn't matter what he did, he always sprinted back to the dugout. Every time he just, I don't know if he was like, maybe he was like, uh, a sh maybe it was like a shame that he like, you know, didn't, 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 uh, execute better or something, but <laughs> it didn't really matter whether he hit the ball or not. He, you know, he would either sprint to the base or he'd sprint to the, he'd sprint to the dugout if he struck out and stuff like that. And other parents would always comment on that. And that's like the thing that they remembered from the game. So I remember talking to him after some games and saying like, you know, Hey, you saw this kid, your buddy, like he did really good. He got like a triple and so-and-so he, you know, he had a home run. I said, but you know what the parents were talking about? And he's like, what? I was like, they're talking about you sprinting to the dugout every time. <laughs> like what, you know, why do you do that? And he's like, well, I'm not at bat anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where did you see someone do that or whatever? Cause parents were like, did you teach him to do that? I'm like, no, I didn't, I don't know where he got that from. <laughs> Uh, but there's little stuff like that that happens in your life. It happens when you're a parent where you're just like, man, that is so cool. That is so beautiful. And it's hard to, it's like, it seems almost nearly impossible to encapsulate that with anything that you're going to, anything that you're going to do for yourself. It just doesn't seem like it compares. Like even though hitting these big benches and stuff that I did and doing some of the stuff has been fun and inventing the slingshot and stuff like that, these are all things that definitely register and there are things that I have felt have felt good about um but they're not really that like they're not that like long lasting you know and and again mm -hmm. those can be things it's it's the it's all the workouts that it took over the years to lift those weights that has been helpful to me later on in life it doesn't have anything to do with the actual number the the actual weight that was lifted it's just the dedication that it took uh, to push myself past my limit. And so that's a, a take home thing for a lot of people is it doesn't have to be an extreme limit, just past whatever limit you're at. And you'll find that if you continually move that line forward over a period of time, you'll feel better and better about yourself. But when you put time into those that are close to you and you do that, it's a much more long lasting reward. And now my son is 17. He's going to be 18 next month. Um, you know, he's like playing the guitar and stuff. And like, I, I'll, I'll come home from work, uh, about four o'clock. He just got home from school and, uh, you know, like I, I'm, I'm not totally aware of everything that he does or doesn't do, but instead of him, like, you know, reaching for, uh, drugs or alcohol or he reaches for his guitar and he sits down and he plays the guitar and I'm sitting there trying to like, I'm like frying up some eggs, but I'm like halfway crying because I'm like, this is so great. He played the guitar. Look at what a big boy he is. <laughs> I'm still awesome. a sucker for those kinds of things. And and again, the guitar is like his own thing. I've I've 
don't know anything about playing guitar. I tried to have him teach me, but it was it was pretty bad, so I gave it up. <laughs> That's awesome. So you you know I've got one question, one last question for you, and then I'm I'm going to kick you out of here. But you know, talking about these these moments, like the things that you know you'll you'll remember these things, right? Like now these have now registered. Like you've got this and priorities in the right order. Like these are the things that mean the most to us. So this last question, I think about the word legacy, and I think it all often gets like twisted up and it's all about how much money are we leaving behind like what building is our name on now you know that kind of stuff you see that on social media all the time but when i think about it i kind of think about what we've been talking about i think about these moments these memories um that i've been able to share with with my kids and i think about the lessons and that they're going to have learned from me or shared with me that you know god willing i'm able to leave them behind on earth they'll get to carry these lessons with them and live their life with with these with these little lessons so if I asked you that question, give through that context, you know, what would you want your legacy to be with your kids? What would you want your kids to remember about their dad? Yeah, hopefully I left behind. Um, hopefully I left behind a lot of ideas rather than things, you know, um, concepts that they can, you know, they can lean on, you know, from a standpoint of like, I think everybody would love to be appreciated when they're gone. And because of the amount of work that we feel that we put in, uh, yeah, it would be great for people to be like, Grandpa Smelly, he was a badass. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that that would be cool. Um, and, hey, I'm thankful that he left us this house or whatever. Like, But um, it's it's more so like, you know, leaving behind – ideas rather than things and uh leaving behind a lot of opportunity you know allowing you know just the things that i um and i don't mean i don't mean opportunity and things either i don't mean that i left behind a lot of money um or left behind uh, a lot of property or anything like that uh but have while i was here provided my children and hopefully have also it gets passed on to their children uh just this idea of having like a growth mindset of understanding um, that whatever it is, whatever spot you're in, in life, you can always work towards getting better. It doesn't matter how high of a level you've reached. And so it doesn't matter how low of a level that you are, you can, uh, you can make choices towards uh, working for it. So I hope, I hope with my kids, I hope kind of the main thing that they take from me is that, I don't want to use the word never, but it has been extremely rare for them to ever see me. Um, it's been extremely rare for them. To, I don't even know if my daughter has ever seen me do that at all, but it's been really rare for either one of them to see me have an outburst due to me being like mad about something. Um, they've definitely seen me cry. Um, they've seen me emotional about my mother's death and about my brother's death and, um, there's been other moments, uh, where I've gotten emotional, but they've never seen me make a decision that I wasn't happy with based on my emotions. And so hopefully they can both learn this idea of equanimity and hopefully they can both just recognize that that can be a choice. You know, you do have a choice on how much you're moved by the information that comes in, the input that comes in when somebody gives you information that you might perceive as being uh, not so great 
it's it it's all on you on how you want to uh, have that information transferred into uh, like kind of your emotions and how, and how you act and how you react to stuff. So I think I've been a good example of that. And I also think that my wife's been a good example in the other direction because she doesn't mind, she doesn't mind having that shift and she doesn't mind, um, she doesn't mind saying like F that, like that, that's wrong. Like we're going to, and, and having something, <laughs> you know, quote unquote, make her mad and voice her opinion about something. Cause I think both are valuable. Because mm -hmm. there there can be a time and place where it's important to kind of like, um, you know, aggressive thought hits your brain, and it. I think it's. I think it's totally fine to express that. So I hope. I hope that the. I hope that both my children have kind of seen both ways. Like there's a real relaxed, chill way of handling things, the way that dad does. But maybe sometimes he's too much too much of a slouch and uh maybe sometimes mom's a little too much of a grump <laughs> that's so good mark thank you so much for making some time for us today i apologize we went over on time uh, but cannot thank you enough for spending some time with us today man this is this has been um a real blessing so where is the best place to learn more about you uh, where do you want to send people i'm uh, at mark smelly bell on all social media platforms uh tiktok twitter Instagram. And then uh, if anyone wants to check out any of my products, they're over at markbellslingshot.com. I have a product called the Slingshot for bench press, push-ups, dips. Make, I make elbow sleeves and knee sleeves and just basically anything to help make your workouts uh, not suck so bad and not be so painful. So you can check all that stuff out as well. There we go. All right, Mark. I appreciate it. We'll stay in touch. Thanks. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. That's it. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review. We can't thank you enough for your support. Until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See ya.